Welcome to another episode of The Inquisitive Analyst. I'm your host, Marcus Udekang. And as you know, it's the show where we chat with business analysts and project managers about their challenges and triumphs within their fields. And of course, their contributions and ideas within those fields too. It's inspiring, it's upbeat, but most of all, it's very much inquisitive. My guest today is a business analyst, project manager, and speaker. He's also a facilitator and trainer of project management, business analysis, Lean Six Sigma and ITIL certificate courses. And he is an agile and business transformation consultant and agile coach for Stacy and Lloyd Consulting. Please help me welcome to today's show, joining us all the way from Toronto, Bola Adesopi. Welcome, Bola. Thank you very much. Good to be here. And nice, 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 nice. Excited to be here. Uh, excited to have you, man. Um, we got a, I got a bunch of questions for you, like I do all my guests. We've got to start off with the most important question of all. How and why did you select project management and business analysis as a career? I mean, it's two combinations that you rarely see. Why did you choose that? Very interesting question. Very interesting question. I think that decision was sort of what changed the narrative of my career or the direction of my career. So why did I choose that? And when did I choose that? I used to work in customer service. And after some time, I moved to IT help desk. Uh, I was earning well, but I wasn't really fulfilled. I thought that I could do much more. When I left the university, they told us that we had everything that we needed to make the world a better place. While I was doing that by you know, doing customer service and also doing IT help desk, I didn't feel fulfilled. I didn't think that I was doing the right thing. I wanted to contribute to the growth of the organization. I wanted to implement effect change. So an uncle of mine came around and told me, hey, what do you do? I was like, well, you know, IT help desk, I help to connect your computer, X, Y, and Z. And he said, have you thought about project management or business analysis? I said, no, I've never thought about that. I said, I think you should do it. And I went around checking for information. And when I read things about business analysis and project management, I saw myself actually in the lines that defined project management and the lines that characterized business analysis. And I said, I think this is what I am made for. This was close to 10 years ago. And since I got on that journey, I've never looked back. I've been going deep and deep and deep in business analysis and in project management. So why did I move there? I wanted to be more relevant. I wanted to contribute to the change and the growth of organizations. And more importantly, I wanted the world to be a better place. Fantastic. So you've been eating, sleeping, and drinking project management and business analysis. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Now, you have a social enterprise group, which you co-founded, called Helping Other People Succeed, also known as HOPS. Can you explain, can you explain how HOPS formed and... What services that it provides? Absolutely. You know, when individuals, whether you're a professional or, you know, an entrepreneur or anything at all, when an individual is getting into a new place, whether location, whether career, whether business, they need a lot of support. They need a lot of guidance. They need a lot of direction. So, 
in 2018, when we got into the country, myself and my co-founder, when we got into the country, uh, within a few days or uh, maybe weeks, we're easily able to get into our desired career. You know, we've been mm-hmm. doing business analysis and project mm-hmm. management. So we're able to get into business analysis and project management very, very easily, fairly easily in the country. But we had a lot of stories from our guys, our friends and our friends' friends that it was really difficult for them. Mm-hmm. And then we realized that, hey, if it's so difficult for people and it was relatively easy for us, it means that we probably did something that they're not doing or we know something that they don't know. Mm-hmm. And you know, the decisions that you make will be based on what you know or what the people around you know. So we decided to put together a platform that will help people to integrate better into the new location, whether the country, whether the business, or whether a career. So we called it helping other people succeed. And we decided to call it helping other people succeed because we want to bring in people that have sort of attained some success or stability in their career to come and replicate that same success, that same stability that they've achieved for other people. So what do we do? We provide career transformation services and support to professionals through mentoring, coaching. Um, Most recently, we've also been doing some sort of training Mm -hmm. for professionals that will help them to really get into the new career or stabilize in the career that they have. So that's basically what helping other people does and what helping other people succeed rather is. Nice. So I'm a, say I'm a new person, I'm coming into Hops. How would you onboard uh, a mentor and a mentee, say, for example, in, in Hops? Absolutely. So we have a number of initiatives. Uh, the most popular one is probably Accelerate. This is a one-month free coaching and mentoring um, initiative. Now, we work with a lot of mentors, and this is what happened. We sort of started by talking to our friends who are sort of stable in business analysis, project management, agile, data analytics, say, hey, we have these other guys who just came into the country or who just got out of college and are trying to get into business analysis. They're trying to get into project management and they need some guidance. They need some support. They need some help. And then our friend will just talk to these guys and then they go. But we realized that it become, it, it, there came a time where we needed to sort of stabilize and formalize that process. Mm-hmm. So typically, this is how we onboard mentors. We put out application to say, if you are stable, successful, knowledgeable about business analysis, project management, you know, data analytics, and you're willing to help other people to achieve that same success or stability that you have, can you please fill this application form? And then on the other side, we put an application out to say, if you think that you need guidance, you need support, you need direction, you need help in business analysis, project management, agile, data analytics, X, Y, and Z, and you're willing to commit to a one to two month free mentoring program, fill this application. Mm. And then they fill the application. So me and my team will review the application of the mentors. Mm -hmm. 
their skill set, their location, uh, their experience, um, their certification, and a couple of other things. And they will reveal the application of the mentees, mm -hmm. what they want, the industry that they want to play in, the role that they're looking for, uh, where they are in their career, what they've done, and what they want to do next. And then we match these mentors with the mentees, and then we set them up for about a month or two. Nice. Yeah, very nice. I've done a bit of mentoring in the past. In fact, I still do mentoring with about three different groups. And uh, that, that onboarding process is really so important to match that mentor and mentee together. Because if it doesn't Absolutely. work, if, it, if that match doesn't work, then, you know, you've, you've got to find a, a better match. But it's the match that's so important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And a lot of other things that we consider, you know, because we live in a world that is global. Mm. So, you know, we look at gender, we look at several other things beyond the professional. We just want to ensure that that match is close to perfect, if not perfect. Yeah. Well, we also great. want to ensure that the people that we're matching have the same expectation, the same mindset, yeah. which is very, very, very important because it's a relationship. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, number one, I have to agree 100%. So you've been, you, you've been responsible for organizing, facilitating scrum ceremonies. Absolutely. From the, from, from the backlog refinement to sprint planning, sprint reviews, and what have you. What are some of the items that a product owner should spend more time on when refining a backlog? Oh, big, 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 big question. But the first one I will say is understanding the value that each content whether it's a user story, whether it's a bug, whether it's even a spike, the value that that item in the backlog adds to the end users, to the business, to the stakeholders, that's the first thing. Mm -hmm. That's what informs your prioritization when you're refining. The second thing is to ensure that you have well-defined acceptance criteria because this is what's gonna give clarity to the people that are gonna build that feature or that component, the expectation and how the end users will view the particular user story. The third one is definition of ready. Making sure that by the time the developers or the team picks a user story, they have everything that they need in code to be able to ensure smooth flow of that user story. Because what you don't want to, what you don't want to experience is waste. For every time that the developers are waiting for one additional requirement or information, they're actually losing value that could have been delivered to the business. Also, because they're waiting, they may get to start doing other things. By the time they come back, they will have they would need to spend like one or two minutes, maybe hours understanding where they left off. You know, that whole context switching and how it slows down um, delivery. And then the last is making sure that, you know, the user stories or whatever it is in the backlog is clear enough and understandable to the people that will build it. Fantastic, nice. I like, I like the way you describe this, very animated. And it, 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 uh, it, it makes me just want to listen even more. Okay. So the, the, the best place to have 
a one-off sprint retrospective is they say it's after the sprint review and before the sprint planning. So what's, what's your take on this? I mean, are there better alternatives on when to have a sprint retrospective? I actually think that the best time is the time between after we get the feedback from the user community and before we start doing the, before we start planning the next sprint. And this is why I think it's the best because some of the learnings and the improvement opportunities from the just concluded sprint can help to make the next sprint better. That's one. Secondly, thoughts and happenings in the just concluded sprint is still fresh in the mind of the developers and the team compared to when we've had like sprint planning and we're already thinking of the next goal for the sprint. So I think that time after the sprint review and before the sprint planning is a, is, is a more effective, you know, they say at times there's really no best, but it's a, it's a better time for, for me, from my experience. And I think, I think that's, that's a good time. Nice. Nice. I'll buy that. Now, uh, do you discuss daily with your team what went well and what they could improve on? Or do you wait till the end of the sprint to discuss possible improvements? What's, what's your method and why? You see, every ceremony, most especially in Scrum, is a vehicle for inspection and adaptation. Daily, we're planning. Daily, we're inspecting. Daily, we're adapting. If there is an improvement opportunity spotted today, day two of the sprint, do not wait till next week Mm -hmm. before you have that discussion and before you even start implementing. So I always with my team, with people that I work with, I always preach that every ceremony is a vehicle to inspect and adapt. The bigger, bigger one comes at the sprint planning, you know, because mm-hmm. that's like sort of the, I'm sorry, the sprint retrospective, because that's like the objective, but do not wait till, okay. if there's something after the daily scrum, please have that discussion, maybe at the parking lot and then implement it if, if you can. Yeah, I like that parking lot. What's the best way to track and communicate team velocity and say sprint release progress? What's what's the best way to track that, track and communicate it? Um, So I speak first on velocity and then I speak on on the release. You know, I know that we, I know that, you know, the the first uh, value in the manifesto says individuals and interactions over processes and tools. And a lot of us, take it hook, line, and sinker. We take that line out of context. But the 17 guys that sat together in the US in 2001 to come up with that, at the end said, what we're really saying, guys, is not that the things on the right don't add value. In and by themselves, they have the value that they add. There's value in processes. There's value in tools. We're not disputing that. We're not discarding that. We're just saying that we have seen more value Mm -hmm. in individuals and interactions over processes and tools. So 
There are a number of tools that I have used with my team to track the team's velocity. You know, I don't want to give, because I know thousands of people are watching this and this company is not, I don't want to give publicity, but there are tools that we, that we can use, that I have used. And the tool is very, very, um, very transparent. It gives you what you commit to on a sprint, sprint by sprint basis, what you commit to and what you achieve at the end of the sprint. And with that, everybody knows our capacity, our throughput, our, um, how much of work we can deliver within a sprint. So I use that too. In terms of release, I work very closely with product owner and, and the stakeholders. You know, um, We use one of the tools also to do that, but more importantly, the product owner has some tool that they use to not just measure or track releases, but also to track the feedback that they're getting from the user community on the releases. Just so that we're not just pushing thing, we're pushing the right thing. When we're not pushing the right thing, we're getting feedback on what we're pushing and that feedback we're using to improve the next set of releases or the next set of pushes that we, that we make to, the product, to production or, or life. Nice. So I like this idea that Agile Manifesto, it's the spirit of the law, not necessarily the letter of the law that you need to follow. Absolutely. I love yeah. that. I love that. I love that. I love that. <laughs> okay. Now, what's, what's the best way to develop and maintain a project story map? Um, I think there are a number of ways, really. Um, but, you know, one may just be better than the other or one may be more applicable in some situations than the other. But the first thing that you want to consider when you're coming up with your story map is the persona. Mm. The people that will use the product that you're building. Those are the people that will inform what the stories will be. So we have the people. And then we have the themes below the people. And then we have some sort of big stories like epics. And then we can then have different ways that the personas can realize value from the functionalities or the features. Mm. And then lastly, the product owner, again, with the stakeholders will then understand which one is more urgent, will deliver the fastest value. And with that, we can then create, you know, maybe like um, releases. And then the team or the product owner will then pick that and that will form the basis of what's going to be in the product backlog. But you want to start with the personas, the people, the end users. Yeah, go from the top to the bottom, nice and slow. I like that. Progressional. Absolutely. Now, Stacy and Lloyd Consulting. This is your, your company. Uh, can, you explain a, a bit, can you explain a bit about this, the services that Stacy and Lloyd Consulting provides? All right. So I, I, I like to use a house to explain Stacy and Lloyd. A house has a roof. That's the name of the company, Stacy and Lloyd. 
Underneath that, we have some pillars that hold the roof. And then the foundation is what holds the pillar. So we have Stacey and Lloyd at the top, which is the roof. The pillars are the lines of businesses that we have, the practices. But the foundation is transformation. So everything that we do in Stacey and Lloyd revolves or centers around transformation. And we have three pillars. The first pillar is the academy, Stacey and Lloyd Academy. And the academy is not just a training school. It's a career and mindset transformation institute. We transform careers and mindsets of individuals. The second pillar is the consulting. Business transformation, agile transformation, digital transformation, technology transformation, product transformation, process transformation, all sorts. And then the third one is advisory. The academy seems to be the most popular because it's more, it's more public facing. Uh, we run trainings and programs around business analysis, project management, Agile, Scrum, Kanban, and all. So that, in a nutshell, is Stacey and Lloyd. And we are we're in Europe, we're in North America and, and Africa. Sorry, my mute was off. Yeah. <laughs> I apologize. As you were describing that, I was thinking about uh, Atlas, the god holding up the earth. And I thought, you know, that, that's a very strong pillar. And, and Stacey and Lloyd is like that pillar, you know, that strength that's holding up not just the company, but it's also being able to disperse this to the world. Uh, anyway, as you were describing that, I thought yeah, that was fascinating imagery. So I, I, I want to ask too, uh, we talked a bit earlier about business analysis and project management, how you got into it. And then you've described about Stacey and Lloyd and the services that you provide, as, as well as uh, the services that Hops provides. So say I'm a new uh, business analyst or I'm a new project manager. Any advice or recommendations for up-and-coming newbies who want to get into the business? Great, great. You know, I, I, the other time I was speaking at you know, some event and someone sort of asked me the same question. And I said, the first thing that you need to really, really understand about business analysis is project management is that it's not a skill set. It's a mindset constantly helping to drive change, constantly enabling change, constantly solving problems, constantly providing solution for business analysis, constantly making ideas come to life, constantly making, um, making strategies implemented. That's project management. So the first thing is you want to really understand that it's not just, yeah, I need to learn how to use Jira or Confluence or Microsoft Project. No. I'm in this organization, I am in this career to help to drive change. Once you understand that, you know, if you're new to something, you have to learn, develop yourself, get training, certification trainings, non-certification trainings, you know, get training, get education, formal, informal. You also wanna work with people who are in that space, 
get a mentor, get a mentor. Also, you know, the best way to really actually grow in a particular place is to, need the, is to know the actors and the factors that play in that space. Network with people. Network with people, you know, be, join an association, IIBA, PMI, you know, Agile, and all of those associations. And also volunteer. Volunteer. So those will be my, if you're lucky to have a mentor like Marcus, um, I, th- I think you're made for life. <laughs> I think you're made for life yeah. because the mentor will help you in coming up with a roadmap that will help you to stabilize in that, in that career. Yeah, I think it's that roadmap that's so important. And like you said, we are conduits of change and you always have to think in terms of not just changing your, your mindset over time, changing to the stakeholders that are around you, being able to adapt to them, changing to the new technologies that come along, changing to the new applications you have to learn. There's always that change. It's constant, it's steady. And uh, there's, there's no, nothing static about it, right? And Agile, I think, just tends to reemphasize that element of change. It's even more impactful within that two-week sprint, for example, you know, uh, constantly changing, constantly changing. So I think that's important. Yeah, very much. The, act, the, the actors and the factors. I like that. I like that uh, alliteration. <laughs> uh, or the, yeah, I guess it is alliteration. Um, fantastic. Well said. Um, so in, in closing, if anyone wants to get in touch with you uh, through Stacey and Lloyd Consulting or through Into Hops, what's the best way to do so? Oh, great. Um, you know, we're on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is like a, it's like, uh, a platform for professionals to connect, to learn, and to sort of like, you know, professionally socialize. So I'm on LinkedIn, Balade uh, Shop, where uh, the company, we also have a company page on LinkedIn, Stacey and Lloyd. Uh, we do have a website as well, www.stacyandlloyd.com, S-T-A-C-E-Y-A-N-D-L-L-O-Y-D.com. You know, check us up on, on, on our website. You can drop a message, browse our courses, and you can literally just reach us from anywhere. Fantastic. Well, it's been a pleasure, Bola, having you on. Very articulate, uh, very animated. I love the way you, you tell the stories and, and you engage the audience. And it's very much, very much uh, uh, parallels to storytelling in, in Agile or, you know, in Scrum. So I think, uh, I think that's well, well articulated, well said. Thank you. Thank you, Marcos. And you're doing a very, you're doing fantastic. You know, at times I just get on YouTube and I just get on your channel and for two yeah. hours, I'm watching like three or four interviews. I'm like, this is massive, uh, man. This is massive. Uh, well, too well, done, man. well done. Too well done. Uh, thank you. Well done. Appreciate it. Much appreciated. Uh, thank you. Uh, well, in the meantime, have yourself a wonderful day. I spent many years in Toronto. The weather is always so much better in Toronto than in Calgary. I always keep talking about the weather. Eight months of summer in, in Toronto, like six months of winter here and six months of summer. So you guys, you guys are basking in the sun. Enjoy it while you've got it. Thank you. I know. I know. You should come back someday. Uh, I, I do occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. Cool. All right. Cool. Thanks. Have a, have right. yourself a great day. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Okay. Bye.